0: Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Hello, Stephen. Welcome.
1: Hello, Ed. How are you?
0: Very good, very good. This is going to be our final uh, catch-up episode of the year between you and I. Of course, we got our, our Christmas special. will be coming out in a few um in a few weeks, but uh, that features an entire motley crew of other people as well. So this is the this is the this is yeah. it for you and I.
1: That is chaos, yeah. That is chaos. This is just you and me, <laughs> wrapping up the year, starting to get ready, light the fires, put the tinsel on the tree if you have a tree um, or whatever you do. Um, so what's been happening?
0: Uh, what has been happening? I've, we've got a lot of different announcements and things. Um, both both uh, within OpenCage, but also, you know, just in general, and also here with the podcast. So what has been happening? We just published this this morning. I published um, the blog post about our annual donation to HOT, which is one of the things mm-hmm. as a business owner, I have to say, I'm quite, I'm quite pleased about that we've been able to keep this tradition going for six years now. I actually, I, I went back and looked at how long we've been doing it. Um, and of course, we previously had done it at my, my prior business. So that's quite pleasing that we were able to get in a position to do that. So a big thank you to all of our customers who, um, who made that possible.
1: And a shout out for all those volunteers at HOT.
0: We have, we've, of course, been fortunate to have um, several interviews this year with members of the HOT team. So yeah and um. and we've also um, on the
1: hot theme we've also had um, and Scott on the podcast talking about volunteering for map action um, but a little sneak preview for our listeners is that we've partnered up with the map action team and in the beginning of twenty twenty four we've got a three-part series that we're doing with Map Action, where we're sort of digging in some detail into humanitarian mapping in crisis situations. And uh, the first episode is going to be about emergency response in the Caribbean, and then there are two more episodes scheduled. And they're they're really, really interesting uh, podcasts that we've got coming up. So look out for those in a few weeks time
0: very nice very nice uh th- yeah that would be one of our first episodes of the new year so um speaking of volunteering Stephen, i do want to take a second to commend the work of some some diligent volunteers out there and uh ask our community to get involved in uh, specifically around osm weekly so um for those that don't know osm weekly is as the name implies, a kind of a weekly digest that kind of tries to summarize what's happening in the OpenStreetMap world. It um, comes out as a, as a blog post, as an email. Um, you, you, I think they have now been doing this for six years. Um, I think it initially wow. started just in German, uh, and now is done also in, in many different languages, of course also in English. But I think, you know, seven or eight different languages. Um, and, of course, that, that depends on, on volunteers to do this, to help translate the things, to, to collect the news. Anyone can submit an article. Um, so I encourage you, if you do something interesting or cool with OpenStreetMap, you should, you should go submit it. Um, and then you don't obviously need to submit it in all languages. You just submit it um, in English, if you're listening to this, or, or in your language. And, you know, then the volunteers will translate it and um, get it out there. And it's a great way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with OpenStreetMap. Because, frankly, there's so much cool stuff happening. And, and often there is stuff happening, you know, that, that's maybe in, in communities, in different languages, or different parts of the world, that you're not able to otherwise keep a tab on. So,
1: Right. And, you know, you just made me think about volunteering as we come to the end of the year. And I was just doing a sort of quick mental checklist of what you and I do, and not, our, but not just us, but all the things we're interested in. And it seems like the world is powered by volunteers. You know, there'd be no OpenStreetMap without volunteers. There'd be limited open source Without volunteers, I'm not saying it's all volunteers, but there's a hell of a lot of volunteer contribution to OpenStreetMap and to the community that surrounds it. You know, um, we run the GeoMob events, which are all volunteer driven events, both the speakers and the organisers, the podcasts. Um you know, the whole mappery thing is volunteers. And you suddenly, you start to realize that so much of what we do is driven by volunteers and volunteering ethos. And it's it's a great part of our community, you know.
0: It, it absolutely is. But I would just say one point on that is that, uh, we need, you know, we can't get complacent, right? Everyone needs to chip in and contribute in whatever way they have the ability to do so. Mm. So be that, uh, you know... Contributing code, mapping, uh, uh, contributing financially, uh, you know, giving feedback, whatever it is, whatever it is. um, Oh, and let me just remind everybody that most
1: most of the work that HOT does on the ground and most of the work that Map Action does are volunteers as well. You know, they're professional teams organizing them, but there's a hell of a lot of volunteer contribution there as well.
0: Uh, indeed. So, actually, to all of our listeners, that may be a very good uh, New Year's resolution to to pick pick a project and get a bit more involved in the coming year.
1: Great idea. Okay, so we were talking about OpenStreetMap, um, and you've. You, well, you didn't go, but Mark Tavis, your partner, went to State of the Map in Antwerp, didn't That's he? Right.
0: I unfortunately was not able to make it to Antwerp this time around. Um, however, my, my co-founder, Mark Tavis, he did, he did uh, attend and gave me a summary. Actually, I know many members of the Geomob community were there. Several were speakers. Many people that we've had here on the podcast um, were there, and, and some spoke and some organized. and. Um, by all accounts uh, the feedback I got is that it was the best uh, geo event probably since covid very um, enthusiastic mood very well done by the organizers um, I have to say the the uh, apparently you know there's a lot of money from the sponsors as well so which is which is also great um, which which contributed uh, of course to having a great event um, and yeah he said there were a lot of lot of Good talk some of some of the old themes all the, you know the classic themes uh, but also a lot of interesting new technologies and things coming out one of the most interesting talks or when I say one of the most uh, anticipated talks was of course our friend um, mark Pirlo from from overture Maps foundation who, who made okay the show. Um, again I, I personally did not attend the talk so this is kind of secondhand so um, but uh, you know, Overture has now been in existence almost a year. I think it was December, December of last year, when, when the project was first announced. You know, today I think they're still kind of finding their feet and getting things going. Uh, you know, there hasn't been a lot of actual output so far yet. They have had a few releases, kind of, of, of different data sets, and I think now they're gearing up to a more um, more regular cycle of putting out the data. One thing that has happened, actually, though, is that a lot of new members to the Overture Maps Foundation, more companies have been joining, um, you know, some smaller companies and things like that. Um, so it does seem to be gaining some momentum. And, of course, the big question in the OpenStreetMap community is, is Overture a friend or a foe or both or, you know, how how to... How to interact with this. How, you know. Yeah. And I guess, were they a sponsor? Uh, I don't know if they were a sponsor. I don't think so. Nevertheless, um, I do know that Mark's talk was was very much about how the two communities can collaborate. Um, so, right. uh, you know, I, I think they clearly want to collaborate. And nevertheless, of course, there's some apprehension in that. Um, you know, these are overtures funded by some of the biggest tech companies in the world, and uh, you know, it's it's not clear that their motives are always completely altruistic. <laughs> so,
1: no, but those big tech companies that we're understandably um, cautious in our response to them were the largest contributors to OpenStreetMap over the last. Two, three, five years—I don't know—but you know, I mean, massive amounts of data contributed to OpenStreetMap
0: through those efforts. yes, And of course, they they sponsor the events and and fund some of the development of some of the core software and things. So, um, so they're not all bad. No, no, they're not. All I mean, bad, we, of course not.
1: We worry about them. We worry about them. Um, we worry about them because their personas. Is that the plural of persona? Personae, I guess. I think
0: it's personas. I would say personas.
1: Okay, listeners, is it personae or personas? Personas sounds better. Their personas um, are tainted by their day-to-day business. You know, I mean, nobody. Most of us in in the open communities are going to be cautious about engagement with a social media business.
0: Esri, Esri, I also com- remember. Uh...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're all fairly robust um, commercial organizations that have at least some question marks hanging over their day-to-day business. And we worry about about them coming into open communities. But on the other hand, they have made big contributions.
0: Um yeah, so it, it remains to be seen how all that will play out. Um, but I guess the key takeaway of it all was it was a great conference. So um, big thank good. you to the organisers and, and uh, everyone I've spoken to It they enjoyed it thoroughly.
1: So what's been happening at OpenCage apart from giving money to the HOT? <laughs> well...
0: Well, we're kind of starting to enter kind of the end of your uh, phase of things where you start to wind down and get things. We always like to, um, you know, get everything bolted down well before we take a little holiday break and make sure everything's going to be running smoothly. Um, nevertheless, we have actually, you know, as I mentioned on the last call, we've been having some some kind of bigger client conversations. We managed to close one of those. Um, and some congratulations yes, that was quite good and several others are still ongoing so you know it's it's always a challenge working with these or even even having a dialogue with these companies just how slowly they move and how just the different scale of things you know like i've one guy that i had a last week you know, we kind of went back and forth on email and we had a call where I kind of introduced myself and explained our service. And then, then I fell up by email and he's like, okay, this sounds good. We want to move forward as fast as possible. Let's do a call in three weeks. I was like, what? <laughs> like okay. So, yeah, you've got to take a long view
1: on those relationships. You know, um, I mean, I was talking to some, to us, a, a small geo business, not, not quite the size of um open cage a bit bigger but um, they've been working with some big clients for over a decade now and they finally got to a point where those clients now recognize this tiny supplier because you know in terms of these large global corps they're a, a micro supplier but they're now ranked as a top tier supplier because of quality and service but it's taken a decade to get there Um, and I think the message is that yeah yeah it's slow to get engaged it's slow to build a strong relationship Um, but once you've built those relationships they've got the potential to last for a decade and that's very valuable so (laughs) hang in there mate hang in there. that's
0: our hope as well so yeah we'll keep keep pushing there the other, what else we have coming up? This week we got, um, we're recording now at the, near the end of November, so we're going to, the, it's the final Friday of the month, so we're going to be doing our Friday Geo Trivia, of course, which is, um, on the one hand, always a lot of fun, it's going quite well on Mastodon, we have quite a good group that, that shows up every time, and always, always a couple new people, Nevertheless, it, it puts some pressure on me to come up with the questions. <laughs> it, it, it's a, kind of the low-hanging fruit have long since been picked. And so it's always a challenge to come up with a good a question that's not too hard, not too easy, that, that you know people can't just immediately Google for the answer, that they have to actually think of it. Um, ideally, it's a question where there's some obvious answers, but then some also some less obvious answers.
1: And ideally, it's not a question where there's some proper geography involved. Well, there's
0: always geography involved, of course, but...
1: No, I mean, sort of proximities and borders and... Exactly,
0: exactly. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the hunt for someone... Actually, this is this is maybe something we should announce here. I, I am on the hunt for someone, any listener out there, who we were thinking in 2024, maybe bringing on someone as a, in a freelance role to kind of help with a lot of this content creation, be it the, the trivia contest, be it with some of the, the geo weirdness threads that we do, be it with writing blog posts on our site, be it maybe also, of course, with the, some of the stuff we do here with Geomob in terms of publishing the episodes and things like that. So <coughs> if anyone out there is really into geo... Which kind of by definition you are, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Um, but also uh, good at writing um, and wants to do some research, wants a, a very flexible part time role with um, a very fun team, then please get in touch.
1: And you get to go to the you'll probably get to go to the. Um... Open cage Christmas lunch in January.
0: You you may no promises, no promises. You got to earn that, Steve. Yeah, you know I don't. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, actually, just as a reminder to our listeners, we, January is right around the corner, and the, we will be having our next London event on the the twenty fourth. So,
1: looking forward to
0: it. So,
1: I know this is going to land possibly a little bit late for. This call out but every year on Mappery um, we do a 12 mappy days of Christmas and we try and find 12 posts sometimes more than 12 posts we do two a day on some days um, that are Christmas themed well, I was going to say, but they're much more than that. They're crass, they're cliched, they're <laughs> obnoxious. You know, I mean, it's, uh, oh no, how did he find that Wait, sort of thing? You know, I mean, there's. When, when, what is the schedule?
0: When does it start? First of December or, or what?
1: No, it starts, the 12 days of Christmas start. Hey, you just, know of Christmas, this. Well, this
0: is what I was going to say the 12 days of Christmas, sorry, Christmas Christmas. Okay, Eve. yes, exactly.
1: Christmas Eve all the way through to the 6th of January. I don't know. And that might be 13 days. Depends whether you count the eves or the days. It doesn't matter. But then, Stephen, no
0: problem. This episode will go out in early December, so there's plenty of time for people to get their submissions. Fine.
1: Okay. So if you've got mappy Christmas decorations, mappy Christmas sweaters, mappy anything that you can link to Christmas in some convoluted way, um, send them in to me maps at mappery.org or you can post them on Mastodon with hashtag maps in the wild or you'll find me, you'll find me. Uh, I need more contributions at the moment. Um, I actually was resorting to artificial
0: intelligence the other day and that's shameful. That, that is a bit shameful. I mean, surely you could also just rerun some from prior years if you absolutely have to.
1: No, that's... We can't do that. That's not allowed. But not everyone, That's not the,
0: everyone who will, who is going to see them this year was a subscriber in years past, Steve.
1: True, but they can always go back. There's a thing called an archive, Ed. Right.
0: Fair enough. You know Fair about enough. that?
1: <laughs> okay. So another interesting little Mappery reti- trivia was that um, Arno, my one of my two co-editors, and uh, the person who sort of keeps the technology running because I think it would have broken by now if I was doing that. Uh, he messaged me the other day and he said, why did you register mappery.org? Um, why didn't you register it as mapsinthewild.org? And I thought about this and I didn't, I couldn't actually remember. And then I sort of was pondering afterwards and I think it was because at the time that Ken and I started, we thought we might do other sort of fun things around maps but in fact it's we've just stuck with maps in the wild so anyway Arno immediately went off and registered mapsinthewild.org because he thought that was a better url for us so now today if it really rocks your boat you can type in www mapsinthewild.org and yawn it will redirect to mappery and I know
0: it doesn't mean very much And Ed, you groaned when I told you this this, but this could be your big anyway. break Stephen this could be this may be yeah. the thing that was holding well, back I think this could be the SEO exactly gold mine that we've just struck you know I don't know anyway
1: so you can now find us in two ways very nice. Congratulations. <laughs> We're at the end of the year, and I'm starting to think about uh, mulled wine and Christmas cake and things like yes, that.
0: Yes, yes. Well, nevertheless, I do. I encourage all listeners to get their Christmas map submissions in, so that so that at least Stephen can have a very merry and jolly Christmas.
1: Oh, and by the time this episode goes out, there will be a maps in the Wild Shop on the website with a few mappy t-shirts. All
0: right. Okay. Well done, well done. Yeah, well yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether anyone will want to, want to buy a, t- a Mappy T-shirt for what? themselves or their loved ones, but they'll be there um, for you to buy. And yes, we will make a little bit of money out of it, and it will be the only source of income that Mappery has had in six years. So, um, And
0: it's going to be just the Mappery logo, or it's going to be actual maps? No, 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 no. It,
1: no, 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 it's... Various mappy t-shirts that I've made okay. over the years, and I'm putting them into the shop so that people um can buy them. So, like the shithole geography, the Donald Trump t-shirt that I made a few years uh, away, back. Away is a favorite. Sure. Some people, some people really like that t-shirt. You know, you've got to be a certain kind of geek to like it. Anyway, maybe someone will buy something, and that will be a new business venture for us. Um Let's do something a little bit more serious. Um, I don't know whether you you saw this, Ed, but there was an article about, I don't know whether it was Planet or Maxar, and I don't, it doesn't really matter. One of the big satellite companies started putting a delay on the public feed of their mapping from the Israel-Gaza conflict area. Right. Um so that um, the publicly available images are... I don't know how much they're delayed by, but they're delayed by enough that they're not current.
0: Um, what, do you, what do you think is the motivation there, so that they can't be used actually as tactically by, by, you know, by one of the belligerents? Is that, is that the motivation? Or? I, think,
1: I think... I thought it was the other way around, that the... Uh, um well, I would guess the israelis are uh, are accessing that satellite imagery. I mean, I don't know whether
0: yeah i mean i i don't I don't think Israel is you know browsing the planet website to get their satellite imagery, right I mean they uh,
1: no, no, but they don't want the beli- that, they don't want exactly. other people want seeing
0: people. the current stuff, yeah, you're right you they don't want the current stuff um,
1: but it made me think, you know, and a few weeks ago, Google stopped publishing live traffic information in the region, right? Um, And if we go back to the beginning of the Ukraine war, um, some people were able to pick up from the traffic information at the Ukraine border the build-up of the Russian Russian forces and and equipment there. Um, And it just made me think how much military has outsourced technology to private companies.
0: Yeah. um, Well, and, and I guess the piece that's most worrying here is if you're, you know, what if those private companies belong to a different... Country or a regime, <laughs> and all of a sudden, yeah. you know, you have a lot of questions about this. You know, what if all of a sudden your internet gets turned off, or your GPS gets turned off, or your, you know, exactly, access to images get turned off? Could be a real liability, of course. In um, you know, we 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 built this kind of inverted pyramid full of technology, where each technology depends on the next one, depends on the next one, and you know, if if the bottom the bottom piece gets pulled out. All of a sudden, you can't do much. So,
1: I mean, there was that incident
0: a couple of months back
1: with—is it Skylink or Starlink? I'm not sure. It's Starlink. I think
0: it's it's Starlink.
1: Starlink. Uh, uh, Elon Musk's satellite internet provider, and um, he was—he'd been providing internet, um, I think, free of charge to most of Ukraine. Um, throughout the conflict, um, which we'd all think was a cool thing for him to do, I guess.
0: You know, Stephen, I... I, I, I Forget that it's must. No, no, but I, I can't wait for the actual, you know, 10, 15 years' time or whatever when we read the books of what actually happened behind the scenes here because, right. you know, is he really doing it free of charge or is, more, for example, the US picking up the bill or something like that? Okay, all right, you, know, all right. you know, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Um, But... It, anyway, so... So he switched, he
1: he was, Starlink was providing internet to the Ukrainians and they were about to launch a drone attack on some Russian naval yep. assets and he switched off the internet in part of the um, Part of the coverage so that they couldn't launch this thing. I may have scrambled that and got it slightly wrong, but he was able to, to sort of put a spanner in the works of one of their military operations. And uh, that's pretty scary, isn't
0: it? Uh, well, A, it's scary because it's Elon Musk, who, you know, it does not seem to be the most stable person, if I may say so. Um and, but, but yes, it is worrisome. And it's also worrisome then, you know, what is the motivation behind that? Is it that he truly thinks that oh, we shouldn't do this attack? Or is it, uh, you know, is somehow the Russians have told him to do this, and he wants their cooperation on other things, for example, you know, SpaceX stuff? Uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, Uh, Clearly, if I were, you know, Ukrainian military command, I would find this deeply worrisome. Uh, Absolutely. Well, if you're
1: a Ukrainian military commander, um, or if you're a military commander in any part of the world, and you're relying on private corporations to provide mission-critical
0: technology, you've got a great point of weakness, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, so the only solution to that is you need to build your own. You need to become self-sufficient, which, you know, is obviously... Is it possible? A, A, it's impossible. B, it's also not great because then we're going to have so much duplication of effort and so much, um, you know, know, does every single country need to reinvent every single technology? Um, So...
1: Imagine how many satellites there'd be up there. They'd be knocking into each well, other. Well, you
0: know, we do have these multiple different GNSS systems, of course, and that was one of the motivations. If, if you know, imagine if the, uh, the U.S. turns off your GPS, you know. And frankly, th- this is not a, uh, a theoretical point, Stephen, in that, you know, who knows, next year Trump is president and drops out of NATO.
1: Yeah, and GPS. Bear in mind, remember, GPS was um, not scrambled, but it was it was certain. It was made fuzzy, yeah. wasn't it? The accuracy was much reduced for public consumption until yeah. I don't know two thousand and five or something, when they made it av- made sort of full GPS available to the general public. Yeah, um, clearly they can switch it on and off as they want.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are also uh, things people can do to scramble it. I mean, if you look at that, we, we've had this in the, um, the GeoMap newsletter a couple of months back. There's a site that shows you where GPS is kind of being blurred or blocked or I, I don't know what the correct technical term is. But, um, you know, if you look all along the, the front in, in Russia, Ukraine, I think the Russians are somehow jamming it and things like that. So that so that's not easily usable by people so um, yeah I don't know it's a it's a worrisome trend though in the in the sense of you know it's not great if private individuals like an Elon Musk or whatever can at their whim decide you know the outcome of, of these conflicts you, you you would think you would you would prefer as a, as a citizen you would say, well, you know, we have a democracy and I vote for my government, and that government has checks and balances, and that um, you know that's the mechanism for that we have as a society for making decisions about these major issues. Not, you know, what, what did Elon Musk just read a bad tweet that got him angry, and <laughs> <laughs> um, but. You
1: know, even the U.S. government, you know, can't be considered uh, always to be a good actor. Oh, of course you not. Said of, course if, not. Um, of course not. But if the other guy gets in next year, um, Lord knows what he's going to do. What would happen if they they stopped making GPS available? Will our phones automatically switch to um, yeah,
0: Galileo or whatever? Uh, Galileo. I think some of the newer phones probably would, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, that's the kind of thing, kind of scenario that, you know, probably has never been tested. So I'm sure there, w- there, I'm sure there would be some challenges, I would guess.
1: Um, are there any phones in, in Europe that are connecting to Galileo? I don't
0: think there are. I, have no, I don't know what the current state of affairs is there in terms of...
1: I guess we don't – we wouldn't know what we, we – we it's not like with a phone provider where you can see on your phone that exactly. you're connected and to O2. And or- well, and
0: actually most of the time your phone is not using GPS, right? It's using the cell network, And think, because GPS – traditional GPS had a very high battery requirement. So it, if it can, it doesn't – it uses Wi-Fi and, and cell network. But um, – but you know who knows? Who knows? Like I just certainly wouldn't want to try that out. It's like a it's like a Y two K type scenario. I mean,
1: I mean, we would be totally screwed without uh, some kind of location technology feeding into our. Well, FM, that, no.
0: I mean, now in Europe there is Galileo, so I don't think it's as as bad, you know, as bad as it could be. But you know, get GPS is just one example of many you know, there, there, there'd be many other implications. On that cheery note, Stephen, let's... On that
1: cheery note, on that cheery note, let's let's wish us our listeners, um, if it's Christmas for you, a happy Christmas. If you don't do Christmas, greetings of the season, the winter festival, whatever it is that you're celebrating in the next few weeks, we wish you good, Peace, happiness,
0: and good health. Indeed. Everyone, a a peaceful, relaxing break, a chance to reflect on the year that's gone by, and um, look forward to the year to come. That being said, Stephen. And
1: of course, to listen to the Christmas edition of the GMO podcast. Exactly, exactly.
0: We've still got quite a ways to go. Um, We've still got several good episodes coming up, and then of course, the, the Christmas edition, which I think will come out on Boxing Day.
1: Yeah. Subject to the lawyers checking that there's no
0: libel or anything. Um, We shall see. It's always an adventure. So. (laughs) It's always an adventure. Okay. Great talking to you. You as well, Stephen. Take it easy. Bye. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website which is at thegeomob.com while you're there you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events you can of course also follow us on twitter where our handle is geomob thanks for listening and hope to see you at a geomob event soon